And now Radio Maria England presents Questions of Faith. Welcome to Questions of Faith today on Friday the 10th of December. Today we're joined by Father Tony Rogers and Father Simon Blakesley. They're here to answer your questions. Radio Maria is your station and we're here for you, our listeners. So please do call in with any questions for our two hosts today. The live studio number to call is 01223 375564. That's 01223 Had this initiative not worked, 
All we know is that it did, and thank God for it. I would quite agree with that. Um, but I, I think this question of innocence and choice is, is always one that uh, fascinates us, and people have always um, tried to understand what it is um, to be completely innocent. There's a wonderful novel um, by C.S. Lewis. Um, it's the second in his science fiction trilogy um, called Voyage to Venus or Paralandra. And that begins with a, with a wonderful encounter between somebody who, who obviously knows fallen humanity and a completely innocent person on, on this uh, planet of, of, of Venus. And it's a very interesting insight into what it is to be um, completely without sin. And uh, I, I think we have to understand that because of being born immaculate, there is no resistance um, in, in Mary's heart or mind to, to what is obviously good. Um, and therefore, you know, you would say, well, <laughs> why would she resist or reject uh, something asked of her, which <clears throat> was it, of itself just a sheer gift. Um, and, and therefore, as Father Tony says, it, it's quite um, unkind and uh, redolent of, of human um, willfulness to, to suggest that Mary could have said no. Um, I, I think, although obviously... If it helps us understand the grace of her saying yes, then perhaps it's a legitimate question to ask. But it's it's quite a clumsy one, I think. No, thank you for that. Um, just really briefly, something that strikes me. When Mary says yes, is it the same as when we say yes? Are we like her when we do that? Absolutely. I, I think we, we are um, recognising um, the divine will and um, assenting to it. And that, that's always a good thing. Um, the, the difficulty is that, that we don't always see it. Um, we are sometimes uh, affected by the, that darkening of, of mind and heart, which is part of uh, our sinfulness. So we don't always see um, the, the immediate value of saying yes, um, because we, we, are, um, we are complicated by by sin, um, nothing ever seems quite that straightforward to us. Yes, that's absolutely true, Simon. Uh, I, I, I think the thing, the positive side of it is that whenever we are in the presence of goodness of any kind, that tends to hopefully um, shape our thinking. We know what it's like to be in the company of somebody who is a thoroughly good person, and somehow their goodness flows into into us <coughs> and, and and makes a difference in many ways to the ways in which we react. And so, let's let's hope and trust that our yes will be the same as Mary's um, in the presence of God. Thanks very much. Um, the second question we have is um, a very different one. So is St. Nicholas and the throwing of sweets a Christian feast or is it more of a pagan sacrifice? And Father Simon, if I could ask you to start, thank you. Well, I come from a position of total ignorance. I've never thrown a sweet in my life. Um, <laughs> I, I'm, I'm 
not sure where this uh, has occurred in the world, where it is a particularly strong tradition. Um, but there, there's a one reference book for all these sorts of questions um, by someone who's known to Radio Maria, that's Joanna Bogle. And she wrote back in the mid 80s, uh, a book called A Book of Feasts and Seasons. And that's a very good guide to all, as it were, legitimate Christian traditions um, and customs, uh, all those things we do around Christmas and, and Easter and other great feasts of the church. So um, I, I would refer you <laughs> reliably to Joanna Bogle's book and hope you find in there uh, an answer to, th to this sort of question. Um, surprisingly, priests don't know everything. <laughs> I'm glad, Simon, you had first shot at that because it was going to be exactly the same response from me that I've never thrown a sweet in my life. And I wasn't actually aware that it was part of the celebrations for St Nicholas. What I do know is that in Belgium and the Netherlands, uh, uh, St. Nicholas, which has, of course, been uh, transmogrified into Santa Claus. Uh, there is a tradition, both in, in the Low Countries, of St. Nicholas dressed as a bishop, obviously, uh, as opposed to having a, a red sort of bobble hat on his head, um, of St. Nicholas being accompanied by, by sort of little helpers who are there for the children. But... You know, I think so many of these things just kind of grew, not from any specific uh, diktat or or instruction <laughs> as to what should be done, but became part of a practice which, as we know, has been secularised with Santa Claus. You know, living at the North Pole, and 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 those places that to do genuinely on the sixth of December celebrate the feast of St Nicholas and in some places to sort of link St Nicholas with children uh, there is the tradition uh, certainly in some of our um, Anglican cathedrals in this country of, uh, of the appointment of a of a boy bishop or maybe now a girl bishop I don't know but but it's 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 something that that does keep alive the tradition of 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 bishops and children. Um, so I think that's about all I can say on St Nicholas and sweets, but the sweets bit can't help you there. Uh, <laughs> Elena's got something to add. <laughs> I've got, um, so there is a story that St Nicholas, when he was bishop, heard of this family, this man that had two daughters and that the daughters didn't have he did not have enough money for the dowry for the two daughters so one night as the bishop was traveling through he saw the man's house and he took two bags of golden coins and threw it in the window and this is rumor has it how the throwing of the chocolate coins has come to England so and that is uh, partially from feasts and seasons from our lovely Joanna Bogle's book as well. So ha ha ha. Wow. I, I knew she would be a, a, a <laughs> line of useless information on this one. <laughs> I can say that. I've known Joanna a long time, so I can be slightly rude about her. 
<laughs> okay, thank you very much. We will now move to a break for some music. This is a good moment for you, our listener, to call in with a question. Our live studio number is 01223 375564. That's 01223 375564. And if you're dialing from outside of the UK, the number is 0044-1223-375564. We'd love to hear from you. And if you have a question today, please do come in and let us know. of Faith and my senior Tony Rogers and Father Simon Blakesley um, are here with us and our next question has come in by email and it is what is the word Advent what does it mean 
Um, and when did it become a season that is celebrated by the church? And Father um, Tony, if I could ask you to contribute first. Thank you. Thank you, Aileen, very much indeed. Um, a lot of words that Christians use come to us from either the Latin or the Greek language. And Advent comes from the Latin word for a coming, for the coming. Uh, so it, it, it's that's what it means. It's the, the time of anticipation and waiting for the birth of the Saviour and for the coming of Christ in glory at the end of time. Um, it's not that easy to answer exactly when it became a season. That's something that's lost a little bit in the mists of time. But what we do know is this. We know that certainly it was around by the end of the 6th century. We also know that within a 100 years there were uh, some specific instructions uh, to monks across the world that they were expected to fast um, for all the weekdays of December, all the days of December up until the 25th. Um, and, and this notion of a fast is, is very much connected with how Eastern Christians understand the season of Advent. Rather than refer to it as Advent, they call it the Christmas fast. And um, there are, in the Western Church, uh, we have four Sundays uh, before Christmas. But in parts of the Western Church, in, in the Milan region of Spain, of, of, of Italy, and in parts of Spain, uh, there are six weeks of Advent. They begin six weeks before Christmas. So there's a kind of fluidity about it. Uh, but also an uncertainty as to exactly when it became a season. But I'm sure Simon can enlighten us with something much more precise. I don't think so, I'm afraid, Tony. You know, you know the definition of a liturgist. <clears throat> yeah. it's, a, it's a canon lawyer in drag. It's a terrible <laughs> thing to say on Radio Maria. I'll probably be banned for the rest of the season. But um, now, I... I I think this is probably a, a great opportunity for someone to, to research it. I'm sure there's a, a PhD or two in, in this one. Yeah. Um, because uh, so many of our traditions uh, evolved gradually and then they were canonized, um, i.e. made the rule. Because, as Father Tony said, uh, a lot of our words come from Latin or Greek and uh, to canon something is, is to make it a rule. Um, so there were all sorts of things that happened in the church, um, and then eventually it was made by some decree of a bishop, um, a rule. And remember, it, it's just a, one of those useless facts that canon lawyers tend to know, is that we only ha we've only had uh, a code of canon law in the Catholic Church for just over 100 years. It was in 1917 that there was first put together one book of the laws of the church. Before that, there were all sorts of different collections. Mm -hmm. So this idea that the church has always had just one way of doing things or one collection of books, it, it's not like that. The, the church has been rather um, uh, disorganized, 
gloriously disorganized for, for hundreds of years. And to expect there to have been a, a, a firm discipline from the year dot is, is it's not how it is. And I think, yes, I think it illustrates the fact that the Catholic Church is much less centralized than we imagine it is, in the sense that historically, uh, traditions and practices and books of prayers and indeed missals uh, could could vary enormously. And there were strong local traditions in the church for a very, very long time. And the ability of bishops, you know, to, to decree what would be the rule in their own particular diocese. And this this kind of centralised church is is a much more modern phenomenon. Is that something that Pope Francis is wanting to bring back a little bit? I, I, that's, I, don't, I don't really know, but I have a sense of something like that. Well, I think Francis wants to, first of all, with this synodal or synodal way coming up, he, he wants to ascertain, I think, among, um, among other things, you know, whether there are perhaps legitimate variations and traditions in the church that need to be observed and taken note of. Because there's no doubt that while we are one in faith, the, the, the culture of Catholicism that in many ways are dominant in terms of numbers of faithful and, and, and clergy and bishops, and that in a sense they are sharing with us perhaps what we shared with them before. I was with a group of clergy the other day from the Portsmouth Diocese where they have six priests working with them from the Cameroons, from Cameroon, from British Cameroon, uh, and that is as a result of priests from the diocese going out to Cameroon some years ago, and now the tables are turned. So I think we are learning the riches uh, from one another's different cultures, and I think that's something that Pope Francis is certainly trying to encourage. We're very blessed with that, I think, in our church. Um, just to let the listeners know, there was a little break in um, the internet transmission there. It's not your radio or your internet. I think it's something um, that's just happened, but it was just very momentarily. We got your words. Thank you. So our next question is, what's the difference between Advent and Christmas music? I've heard that we aren't supposed to sing carols in Advent, but most of the carol concerts are in December. Father Simon, if you could start for us. Oh, thank you very much. Never go on stage with musicians and animals. It, it's, it's, it's a constant challenge. Of course, the season of Christmas begins on, on Christmas Eve, and there are 12 days of Christmas. So Christmas tide is its own season, and there are Christmas carol, carols should be sung during Christmas tide, i.e., between Christmas Eve and Epiphany. Um, but because so many are so popular, that's why they tend to creep forward into Advent and into carol services. But if you look carefully within our tradition, there are plenty of Advent carols. Um, and <laughs> if you make a little bit of effort, you can sing traditional Advent carols in Advent and save the, the Christmas crackers until Christmas, as it were. Um, 
On the other hand, I, I quite understand when people say, oh, we want to sing Silent Night or we want to sing um, <clears throat> Hark the Herald Angel Sings or the, these great traditional Christmas carols. But strictly speaking, yes, there, there are Advent carols and there are Christmas carols. There's the Advent season and the Christmas season, and that should determine what we sing when. It's never going to work perfectly, but to be aware that there is a difference and to perhaps um, enhance our knowledge and use of Advent carols may be a way of dealing with it. Absolutely. Um, I think it's interesting that in, in many traditions now, um, Catholic and Anglican and others, there is uh, often on the first Sunday of Advent um, a great Advent procession or Advent carol service, which makes us more and more familiar, I think, with some of the fabulous hymns of the Advent season, because I think there's some really wonderful ones. I think one of the reasons why uh, we tend to sing a lot of Christmas carols before Christmas is because schools in particular break up, you know, a week or so uh, before Christmas and obviously want to have some kind of anticipation and celebration of Christmas. But it does mean that sometimes by the time Christmas itself comes, as many clergy will say, we are caroled out. We've, we've, we've had our fill of Christmas carols, whereas, as you say rightly, Simon, it belongs to the, the season from Christmas through to Epiphany, or indeed to the baptism of the Lord, or indeed further on. Um, uh, a friend of mine who is a, a, a composer and a musician, Stephen Dean, uh, who, who worked with me in one of the parishes I was in, used to say that if we sang something like, O come all ye faithful, before Christmas, when we got to the last verse, instead of omitting it, we could we could rightly sing instead of born this Christmas morning, we could sing born next Friday morning. <laughs> 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 so, so it does it does produce a few anomalies, really, I think. But we we've we've got I mean, Simon was making disparaging remarks about liturgists. <laughs> but, but I think uh, <laughs> I think we've all got to be fairly flexible and understanding in this that we could we we'd love perhaps to be purists and say not a single carol will be sung <laughs> until um, Christmas Eve, but that ain't going to work, and we ain't going to gain many friends through it. <laughs> I'm thinking we, um, just, we encourage positively the singing <laughs> of Advent hymns. I wonder if diplomacy should be a gift of the Holy Spirit. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> absolutely. OK, we will now take another music break. So please do call in with your questions for our two hosts, Father Tony and Father Simon. Our live studio number is 01223 375564. That's 01223 375564. And if you are dialing from outside of the UK, it's 00. Four four one two two three three seven five five six four. That's o o four four one two two three three seven five five six four. And we are waiting for your call. 
So you're listening to Questions of Faith with Radio Maria England and we have Father Simon and Father Tony in the studio here with us. And we have our next question from one of our listeners. Um, so Father Tony, if you could start with this one, it's what is the meaning of the Advent wreath? The Advent wreath, which is lit on the Sundays of Advent with a central candle uh, for Christmas. And let's start off by by clearing up questions about colours. Sometimes they're all red with a white one in the middle. Sometimes they're all white. Sometimes one is pink and one is white. But there's no right or wrong about that. But they are symbols of the, the advent of Christ. In other words, that as each candle is lit, we know we are that much closer to Christmas. It's actually a tradition that comes to us from German Lutheranism from the 16th century. I'm sure Simon will concur with me that when we were kids, the Advent wreath was not part of our tradition in our churches. I don't think... I can't remember it, no. no. It came into the Catholic Church in Germany in the 1920s, and I think then spread to the United States in the 1930s. But I suspect the truth is that it belongs to about the 70s here, uh, when it became a feature in our sanctuaries. In other words, when, when in our churches it was lit up. You know, Simon, you have something to say. Well, I, I think it was probably Blue Peter that started it. <laughs> it, it <laughs> might well be. I think I'm pretty sure I remember it first as being something you made with coat hangers and tinsel on blue Peter. And loo paper rolls. Possibly. Yeah, yes, (laughs) loo paper holders. (laughs) Uh, Yes, although I think think we shouldn't pretend that blue Peter invented the advent wreath. (laughs) No, but (laughs) he popularised it. I think that's that's my first memory of it. Yes, and, and I think... I think, you know, the sort of blessing of Advent wreaths is something that, you know, we've now sort of taken on board. What I did read about was something quite interesting in Germany in the 19th century, uh, that a German Lutheran pastor there mm. um, designed an Advent wreath that was a bit more complex than the ones we're used to seeing, because it had four lots of small red candles um, at at the sort of corners uh, or on the sides of a wreath uh, and the the Sunday candles at the other end. So it was there was actually a candle for every day. And it's very much connected with the Advent calendar, uh, where it was a way in, in people's homes for children to do the countdown to Christmas. How many days is it? So I think before the Advent calendar, the Advent wreath with enough candles to do the Advent countdown was there, which I think is an interesting feature because, of course, Advent calendars have turned into something, uh, you know, simply to do with dates in December and nothing in many cases to do with, with the Advent season and the coming of Christ. More the coming of chocolate. Yes, more the coming of chocolate or other kind of more expensive goodies. Ooh. You know, <laughs> you, you can you can you can get gin advent calendars and you can get 
beer advent calendars with different things for each day of advent you know which just shows how easy it is to cash in on good old christian practices i must move to alborough soon yes absolutely yes yes i have to say that nobody's given me a gin uh, advent calendar as yet is that a request (laughs) (laughs) anybody listening (laughs) father simon do you have anything to add no, I, I, I cannot add to this uh, erudition. I, I think um, it, it's uh, anything that um, incarnates um, a, a, a building sense of expectation, I think, is, is, is obviously a, a positive thing. Um, and if it helps to focus us on um, a journey, on a sense of, of the the building drama of a season, it, it's its always helpful. Thank you. So we ha- our next question is, is it wrong to send Christmas cards that aren't religious? It's quite hard to find religious ones sometimes. And added to that, when is it too early to send Christmas cards? And Father Simon, if you could start us on that one. Well, I understand the, the dilemma of trying to find Christmas cards that express um, Christ as it were, as the centre of Christmas. Um, It's often, you know, there are so many other things that have become um, symbols of the winter season or the the winter festival. Um, And uh, certainly when I was in Canada um, 30-odd years ago, there was a a definite drive by the kind of secular um, politicians to de-Christianize Christmas and to make it, uh, they called it winterlude or they called it uh, winterval, or they, they were definitely trying to remove any um, reference to, to the Christian feast and just make it a, a, a generalized pagan celebration of, of, of midwinter, you know, the, the, the winter solstice. Um, so I, I think we have to recognize that as part of our witness, to send specifically Christian Christmas cards is, is well, it it's, should be relatively easy to do. And there are many um, suppliers of, of really good Christmas cards. Um, Tradecraft and CAFOD have always had uh, great selections. Um, in our diocese, we have the, the nuns at Quidnum produce wonderful Christmas cards. Um, there are many ways of, of getting hold of, of good Christmas cards, and, and I think um, it's certainly something worth doing. And as to the question, is, when is it too early to send Christmas cards? Well, if you're as organised as I am, it's never too early, and it's sometimes too late. Um, so I, I think the, the idea is that, yes, um, particularly if, if you're trying to keep contact with people and... Um, they may have lost your address, then, you know, it's, it's, I, I think any time during Advent, it's all right to, to send Christmas cards. Um, I wouldn't send them before the first Sunday of Advent, but I'm slightly disorganized, so I, I would never chastise anyone for sending a Christmas card too early. Thanks, Simon. I agree with you entirely about us, you know, Christians trying to send Christmas cards that 
uh, are focused on Christ and it's not difficult to find them. Uh, it is difficult to find them if you just go into supermarkets and places, but even then it's by no means impossible and quite a lot of them are charity cards as well. A um, couple of funny little stories here. I, I know some people who are highly organised and who who I, I think my first Christmas card came in the middle of November. Uh, um, I, I managed actually to finish my last Christmas card, although I'm sure it won't be the last one I have to do, just before this programme began. So I was on a sort of mad dash to complete that. But but I think I'm so delighted that the words Winterville and Winterlude have not caught on in any sense. Uh, certainly in this country, you know, you find that people of no faith and of other world faiths will happily be talking about Christmas, just as we are now, you know, uh, adept at referring to Eid and Diwali and 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 other other faiths festivals. I think we shouldn't be ashamed. We don't we don't need to sort of airbrush the word out of our language. And I think it's a it's a very silly form of political correctness. And I don't think we've thank God have tried to do that here. But I think there is a, a kind of there's a sort of um, mingling of secular and sacred um uh, and i always remember the story that terry wogan told on one of his programs about a time when he was visiting japan and he said he went into a department store in tokyo and uh there were signs to santo's grotto and he went up the escalators to the fifth floor to the toy department and went in to find, he said, the most extraordinary Santa's Grotto because Santa's Grotto was in fact a Christmas crib um, with all the characters, all Mary and Joseph and the Christ child and the animals and the shepherds and the angels. But rather than an angel atop the manger, atop the, uh, the, the, the stable, uh, Santa Claus in all his glory, not St. Nicholas, Santa Claus in all his glory, was, was nailed to a cross on the top of the sh of of the of the stable and and wogan who was not himself a religious man was just was staggered that things could be so confused but as somebody said to me once you know if we tried to replicate a shinto or a, a, a hindu festival from coming from our tradition we'd probably get it wildly wrong but it just shows that there's you know, quite a bit of sort of admixture of stuff going on over which we don't have a lot of control. It's quite shocking, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. yeah. It's shocking, it's shocking, but it's more understandable, I think, than we think. It's not, I, 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 I don't think anybody was making the point that this was people trying to be blasphemous. Uh -huh. It was people who just perhaps didn't recognise the subtleties or the difference between the secular and the sacred yeah. in the Christmas story. Yeah, I think we've a lot of young people now, the, the Christian story isn't part of the cultural education no. in the same way now, is it? So it's, yeah, understandable. 
Oh, Aileen, we've actually got a caller oh, from Japan that was listening in, and he'd like to share his thought too.、Uh, hello, is this John? Hello, John. Hello. How are you? Hey, good, good. I thought you've got Father Tony and Father Simon listening in, and our listeners. Yeah, yeah, I just called because, you know, Father was talking about Japan, you know, and since I'm living here, I'd like to say, you know, regarding Christmas cards and Christmas gifts,、uh, as you know, Japan is a Buddhist country, so Christmas is not celebrated, it's just another day. But However, they do imitate Christmas in terms of illumination, gifts.、Uh, it's basically a materialistic festival. So、um, every year we used to send Christmas cards from here, which is very beautifully crafted with、uh, Japanese, Japanese art. However,、um, They don't、uh, express the real meaning of Christmas as the birth of Jesus, but they're simply like, like a memorial, like a, like, like a festival, like a festival of, of shopping. Of,、uh, so sometimes, you know, I think I discussed that with my wife, you know, it would be better instead of sending. Insignificant Christmas cards、uh, from Japan would be better to、uh, either send an e card、um, or uh, simply call、uh, your relatives in Europe to, to wish them Merry Christmas. So I, I, I find Christmas cards in Japan very pagan, so they have nothing to do with, with Jesus. So,、um, since Father was talking about Japan and Tokyo, where I live,、uh, I'd like to hear his, his response. Thank you.、Oh, thank you for that, John. Thank you for that. Well, John, that's absolutely amazing that in the wake of me telling a silly story that you chose to ring in, it's lovely to hear from you and lovely to get your perspective as a Christian on what it's like. To be celebrating Christmas in the best way that you can in a Buddhist country. And I think you've, you've, you've kind of confirmed part of what I was trying to say that, that it's a recognition that it is a feast, but it's not one that has any religious significance for the majority of people living in Japan. But it's great of you to ring in. I don't know what time of day it is for you at the moment, but, but thank you for the call. It's much appreciated. Oh, he's, we've, we've had to let him go. He's six hours, six hours ahead. So he's getting, I think this is when he gets his dinner ready. So, John from Japan, thank you so much for calling. And I, I think that is our last question for today.、Um, so, I'd really like to say thank you to our listeners. For joining us today. This program is rebroadcast, so if you are not listening on the morning of Friday, the 10th of December, please don't call in. But you can email your questions to us at questions at radiomariaengland.uk. That's questions at radiomariaengland.uk. And this episode will be rebroadcast tonight at 10 pm and 5 pm on Wednesday and at 3 am on the morning of Thursday. 
It's also available as a podcast on Google Play, Apple and Spotify and other podcast providers. Um, Father Tony and Father Simon, thank you so much for sharing with us. I always learn so much. And Father Simon, if you could finish today's programme with a prayer, we'd be very grateful. Can we pray together? Glory be to the Father and to the Son and to the Holy Spirit, as it was in the beginning, is now and ever shall be, world without end. Amen. Thank you so much. Bye, 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 bye.